I appreciate very much the uh, doctrinal statement of uh, Community Congregational Church, and uh, there is a, a part of this <clears throat> uh, in the one, two, three, fourth paragraph. It says, we believe that the shed blood of Jesus Christ <clears throat> and his resurrection provide the only means for salvation. Only those who receive Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior, by faith, are born of the Holy Spirit and thus become redeemed children of God. As you heard in our reading from Genesis <clears throat> chapter 15, verse 6, it said, Abram believed the Lord, and God counted it to him as righteousness. You know, I think that uh, we're used to these words, aren't we? And it may not sound like much, but that little phrase is the very basis of a relationship with God, the very basis of Christianity. Salvation has always been by God's grace through the divine gift of faith. And whether we're talking about Adam and Eve or Noah or Abram or Moses or King David, Old Testament, New Testament, Jews under the Mosaic Law or Gentiles without the law, salvation has always been by God's grace through the gift of faith. There is no other way. Those who lived before the Lord went to the cross were justified by God as he looked ahead to what Christ would do. Those who live or lived after the cross are justified by God as he looks back to what Christ has done. Without the finished work of Christ at the cross, no one ever in any age could be saved. He did it all. The word grace can be used as an acrostic that spells out God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. Salvation is by grace through faith. The Protestant Reformation centered around this truth with five sole in Latin or alones or onlys uh, in English they are these, salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, and to God alone be the glory. And today we are talking about faith, sola fide, by faith alone. In our first reading from Genesis 12, God said to Abram, go. And Abram went. That, my friends, is a demonstration of faith. Then in Genesis 15, God told the childless and uh, then elderly, Abram and Sarah, that they would produce an heir. And that counting their descendants would be like trying to count the stars in heaven. And Abram believed the Lord and he counted it to him 
as righteousness. The New Living Translation clarifies that nicely, saying, And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. In Romans 3 and 4, Paul connects for us the saving faith of Abraham to the saving faith of all people of all ages, Jew and Gentile alike. If you would like to follow along, uh, please open your Bibles to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, and I'm beginning in verse 1. Paul wrote, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham our forefather according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God. I want you to notice that Abraham did not only believe in God, he did, of course. Uh, he believed in the God of the Bible. Uh, by the way, only the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Uh, that's in Psalms 14 and 53. So Abraham obviously believed in God, but he also believed what God said. Abram believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, of course, Abram had very limited revelation from God. He had the oral word of God, which is wonderful, but uh, I frankly am grateful that God has given us his entire written word. Uh, can you imagine trying to remember all of this and get it right? Abram believed God. In verse 4, it says, Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. In other words, when we work, we expect and deserve to get paid. Verse 5 says, But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. And this is a, a really important idea. You know, every religion devised by the mind of man rejects the idea that God would freely justify the ungodly. Religion requires human effort and good works. Religion says we must become godly or make ourselves good enough to please God. Religion teaches that the lost sinner must work hard enough or do enough good deeds to merit God's favor. But if you consider this 
you will see it begs the question, how hard is hard enough? How good is good enough? God is perfect. His standards are holy and absolute. He does not grade on a curve. He doesn't say, oh, well, you're a little bit better than so-and-so. He doesn't weigh our good deeds against our bad deeds on some cosmic balance. Rather, God justifies the ungodly. We are nothing but ungodly sinners unless and until God, in His great mercy, justifies us. There's nothing we can do to force His hand. We cannot make Him do it. It is all God. Romans 9.16 says, So then it depends not on, listen, not on human will, or exertion, but on God who has mercy. And God extends His mercy through the atoning death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Gospel. No human being could ever come up with this plan. You know what I've noticed about the Bible is that again and again and again, it is counterintuitive. Only God could come up with this. No human being could ever do it. Nor is any lost person smart enough or wise enough to choose God in their lostness. Uh, if you follow the words derived from uh, that root of, of, of chosen or choose or chose, if you look up chose, chosen, choice, chose, chooses, every single time, 100%, you will find that it is God doing the choosing. It is God doing the choosing. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you, and one of you is a devil, he said, speaking of Judas Iscariot. No one is smart enough to choose God. I'm glad that there is not uh, an IQ barrier that, that we have to cross to be accepted by God. And also, contrary to popular opinion, lost people do not make a decision for Christ. I know you've heard that everywhere, right? Billy Graham, Franklin Graham, who I love, uh, all these people make a decision for Christ. But that's not how it works either. Because a decision is what? It's something that comes out of our intellect. We weigh the options. We make a choice. Guess what? A lost person will never choose God. God must choose us. First uh, Corinthians one twenty one says, for since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. Paul says, but we preach Christ 
crucified. Only God could come up with this. Do you know in Islam, the false god Allah uh, demands that people die for him. In Christianity, God dies for us. What a difference. What a difference. Back to Romans 4. God's promise does not depend on works or wisdom or human will. God's promise of salvation, Romans 4.16, depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, that is the Jew, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Verse 20, No unbelief made Abraham waver concerning the promise of God, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. Abram was 100 and Sarah was 99. When God said, you're going to produce your own heir. And it says, no unbelief made Abraham waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Listen to this. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. Oh, I like that verse. You know, God has made many, many promises in His Word. He is a God who delights in making and keeping promises. Are you fully convinced that God is able to do what He has promised? That's why Abram's faith was counted to him as righteousness. And then there's some really good news for us. Verse 23 says, But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. This concept, this marvelous divine concept of salvation by grace through faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ is repeated in Scripture again and again and again. So don't we have to ask, why do so many people, especially church people, have such a hard time getting it? Now, there's a Bible teacher I like named uh, Chuck Missler who helped me to understand this concept uh, several years ago. And here's the key. Salvation is not one thing. It actually happens in three phases, or three tenses, if you will. And if you understand this, all the rest that may have been troubling you for years and years and years will just fall into place. <laughs> Ready? Salvation happens in three tenses. We were justified. We are being sanctified. We will be glorified. The moment you believe the gospel, 
By the way, Ephesians chapter 1 is a great place to look at that. The moment you believed the gospel, you were, past tense, once for all, justified. At that moment, you were born again. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit. You moved from lost to found and from dark to light, from a child of the devil to a child of God. You were headed to hell, and now you are headed to heaven. It's a very stark contrast. And the best news probably is that we cannot mess it up. Listen, we cannot mess it up. Because justification is a declaration by God Almighty that you are permanently clothed in the righteousness of Christ. God won't take it back. And we can't throw it off. A Christian, listen, this is important. A Christian is not a lost person trying to follow Christ. And you do not become a Christian simply by sitting in a church. A Christian is someone who has been declared righteous in Christ by God through faith. When God justified you, you became a Christian. Now, should we teach our children and raise them in the church? Of course. The better we explain and the more we preach and the more we proclaim, the more they will hear. And hopefully, the sooner they will believe and God will justify them. But Christians don't make themselves, they are created by God. Christians were, past tense, justified. And here comes the next tense, Christians are being sanctified. Christians, without exception, still sin. Listen, we have been justified, we are being sanctified. At justification, we receive the Holy Spirit who empowers us to fight against sin, to become holy, to live for Christ. Attempting to live the Christian life and walk the Christian walk under our own power without the Holy Spirit is not difficult. It's impossible. It cannot be done. We were justified, we are being sanctified, we will be glorified. At the rapture, the harpazo in Greek, which you could find in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we will receive our sinless, immortal bodies. 1 Corinthians 15 explains what those bodies will be like. But the key is that then we will sin no more. And will that be a glorious day when sin itself is removed from us entirely? You know, I think the problem among church folks is that we keep confusing the tenses of salvation. I have met so many people who think, well, I still sin, so I must not be saved. Or, I thought I was saved, but now I sinned, so maybe I had it and I lost it. But you see, the truth is that Christians still sin because we are not yet glorified. 
We've been justified once for all time. We're headed for heaven. We've been born again. We are in Christ, but we're still being sanctified. I have a uh, little uh, uh, Christian cartoon book down in my library in the office. It's called Not Entirely Sanctified. And, and you can imagine the thrust of the jokes in it. And by the way, listen, it's okay to laugh. Judy, it's okay to laugh. Look at Jesus. It's okay to laugh. Listen, it's necessary that we laugh at ourselves. If you don't think God has a sense of humor, go find a couple of high school classmates of mine and tell them that I'm a preacher now. <laughs> Better yet, don't. But, but you get the idea. God justifies the ungodly. Then He sanctifies the justified, making them godly. And finally, He will glorify us, making us sinless. He'll still be God. We still won't. Let's make that clear. But we will be finally without sin. One way to think of it is that Christ loves us so much that He died for us while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies of God, while we were dead in trespasses and sins. But He loves us way too much to leave us the way He found us. We must be sanctified. One last thought is that Unlike justification, sanctification requires work. Anybody, anybody notice that? But that work is not without reward, because God is generous. We cannot earn justification, but we can earn rewards once we have been justified. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 explains that Every work we do for Christ, those are works with eternal value. Every work we do for Christ earns a reward in heaven. But you cannot work for Christ until you've been justified through faith in Christ. I think of it this way. You cannot get paid for a job until after you've been hired to do it. You can work all you want to, but if you're not on the payroll... You ain't getting no money. You cannot earn justification, but you can earn rewards. Now, obviously, that shouldn't be our, our big motivation. But it is another testimony to the generosity, to the great provision of our great God. Likewise, listen, you cannot lose your salvation. You're, you cannot become unjustified can't be done but you can lose rewards first corinthians 3:12 says now if anyone builds on the foundation of jesus christ with gold silver precious stones or wood hay straw each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. 
if the work that anyone has built on the foundation, that is the foundation of Jesus Christ, if that work survives, he or she will receive a reward. It's right here, black and white. Listen, if anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. Loss of what? Loss of reward. But listen, this is so important. He will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. It's like fleeing a burning building. You're still going to heaven, but when you get there, you might be sweeping the streets of gold instead of walking the streets of gold. That's, that's Johnology. That's not in the Bible. We who are being saved have been justified. We are being sanctified. We will be glorified. And by the way, God promises that not a single one will be lost in the process. That is good news. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, make it all so plain. I love this passage, and it's a good one to memorize if you have not. Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And do you see how plain it is? First, you must be justified or saved by God's grace through faith. And it's all God. We can't do it ourselves. But once we've been justified, then we can begin to do those good works that God prepared beforehand. I love uh, verse 10. There's a word there. It says, for we are his workmanship. In Greek, it's the word poema, from which we get the word poem. We are God's poem, created in Christ Jesus. Isn't that a beautiful thought? Once you've been justified by grace through faith, then you can do the good works that God has prepared for you to do. But justification is by faith alone, sola Let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you so much for justifying us. I do pray that everyone in this room has been to the cross, has surrendered to Jesus Christ, and been justified by faith in the fact that he died for our sins, was buried and raised from the dead. Father, what a glorious thought. It's really too high for us, and yet it is your truth. And so we take it on faith. Father, I pray that as we glorify you, you will strengthen our faith as you did for Abraham. Father, I pray that now that we have been justified, we will do everything in our power and with the help of the Holy Spirit in us to become more holy. And we know, Father, that you are also the agent of that sanctification. And we do so look to that day when we see Jesus coming on the clouds to call us to himself. 
when we will receive once and for all our resurrection glorified bodies and we will be without sin. Father, we thank you for all of your promises and we are convinced that you are able to do all that you have promised. Amen.